good morning everybody, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are watching this video, and welcome to week five of LPC Online, and uh, it's been great, some of the connections that we've been able to maintain, and some of what's uh, still continuing to go on, uh, we are really trying to make the best of this, uh, but uh, hopefully sheltering in place is going to begin working soon, we're getting the building ready, we want to return, we're hoping that uh, in a safe and wise manner, we can come back together again and begin worshiping and teaching and hanging out and all that good stuff. Uh, but until then, we're going to continue to come at you here online. We hope you enjoy this. And uh, we're going to start off with some prayer and a little bit of worship, open up with a song of worship. And then we've got those videos I promised you. Some, some of our members have been sending in some videos, so we're going to see some of those as well as I piece some of those together and we can begin to all kind of say hi to one another. So Heavenly Father, for all of those out there, Lord, we are still under this COVID-19 coronavirus uh, challenge, God. It's, it's a real trial. It's a real test in many ways. And God, for all of those who are sick, we pray for their healing. God, for all of those who are struggling with job stuff or with money or with fears or with the fear of the future, God, we pray for all those as well that that God can be trusted and that there be a newfound trust. God, for all those who may be even struggling with belief during this time, God, we pray that you would heal us of our unbelief. And Lord, for all of those uh, who are beginning to perhaps get cabin fever or agitated, uh, you know, more than a month now, uh, being quarantined, so to speak, God, I pray that your grace would be sufficient to cover our needs this season as we worship you and continue to grow in our faith. And we're grateful for all the technology you've given us to do this in Jesus name, amen. All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and begin uh, just with a song of worship and then we'll get to those videos. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. For you are good, you're good, oh, my Lord, you are good. You're good, oh my Lord. You are good. You're good, oh my Lord. You are good. You're good, oh my Lord. Let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor for my waves. Oh, He is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song, for you are good, you're good, oh my Lord. You are good, you're good, oh my Lord. You are good, you're good. Oh my Lord, you are good, you're good, 
oh my lord let the king of my heart be the mountain where i run the fountain i drink from oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the shadow where i hide the ransom for my life oh he is my song you are good you're good oh my lord 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 to some of those videos now and we're going to come right back at you with a teaching trusting God in the trials so let's get ready, ready. and let's go don't forget Matthew 542 tells us to give to our neighbors if they ask and to not turn away those who ask to borrow miss everybody I hope you all have a great day and can't wait to give everybody hugs and and see him at church good morning church family I hope you're all doing okay out there in this crazy world we're living in just want to let you know that I'm praying for each and every one of you and can't wait till we all can be back together again this morning my devotion um, had a scripture first Peter 5 7 cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you and um, during this this time we all need to remember that that God does love us and he will be there for us and he's gonna get us through this I love you guys can't wait to give hugs again so virtual hug Hi, Life Point. How's everybody doing? Jim Rose here, uh, your church safety director. Just wanted to drop a note and give encouragement. Uh, Pastor Tom asked us to do this, so uh, I'm doing it. I don't know how well you can hear me. I, my glasses are. Oh, hold on a second. Uh, uh, there. Oh, my fingers can't breathe. There, that's better. I like to have a little fun. You know, just wanted to say hi to everybody and just uh, tell everybody I miss you guys. I can't wait to see you guys again. And uh, I'm kind of going through withdrawals because I'm not there patrolling around so you guys can see my happy face. Um, I really do miss everybody. I get to see uh, comments and things like that on Facebook, but it's just, it's not the same. You know, the, the scripture that comes to mind throughout this whole fiasco that's going on is uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. And it says, uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And I encourage you to stay in the word, connect with people, and, and keep with the sound mind because fear is not of God. Love is. So 
touch bases with somebody, call somebody, call me. Everybody knows my phone number. If you don't, just contact me on Facebook. I'll get with you. I love you guys. Take care. Be safe. And keep your powder dry. Take care. Bye. Want to know something cool that like just happened? There was a dog outside, and Alex encouraged me to go try to get I did it. Not encouraged. <laughs> he he did I it. Just said there was a dog outside. Okay, well, I took it upon myself to go try to get it, but um, they ran away. Anyway, um, welcome to our home, the Grimes house, and I'm Brooke, and this is Alex, and these are come here, girls, our dogs. Pick the big one up. I got the little one. <laughs> these are our dogs. We love them a lot. Anyway, um, right now, what's new with me, I mean, not really new, I'm still in school and still babysitting and working on church stuff. And Alex is still working at his job full time. Like what, 10 hours a day? Eight hours a day, six days a week. Yeah, so he's still working a lot. And then he has a car in the garage. What is that? 85 Corvette. An 85 Corvette and it's what, red? Mm-hmm. Red, okay. So red 85 Corvette. And what have you been doing to it? Replace the head gaskets. Head gaskets, which are in the motor engine. Mm -hmm. Same thing? Yep. Yep. So anyway, nothing much has changed for us. But uh, we miss you guys, and we're excited for when we finally get to see you all again. Um, if you're not a hugger, sorry, I'm probably going to hug you. So anyway, see you guys soon once all this is over. And um, that's all. Bye. Well, good morning, LifePoint. Welcome once again to our online format. And we're going to be talking about trusting God in the trials. And definitely during this coronavirus trial, we really hope that you are all safe, that uh, you are all uh, just taking care of yourself, being wise, uh, that you have all your needs taken care of. Let us know if you don't. We'd sure love to help you out and do whatever we can. And uh, continue to see worship go forward, continue to have our studies uh, with the Bible and our teaching and some application during this time. And so we're just going to get right to it. Uh, this is, again, Trust in the Trials, our first message in this series called Tested Blessings. All of the blessings that we have sooner or later will undergo some tests. And today I'd like to really talk about what happens when God tests our blessings. And a test can often seem very challenging. Right now, we're going through what the Bible would definitely consider as a test, this COVID-19 season that we're in. And, and essentially, this coronavirus, is as tough as it is, it's basically, it feels like it's canceled spring. I mean, I don't know about you, but spring 2020 is gone. I don't know where it went or what's going to happen of it, but it just seems like it's gone. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've been able to do some things outside, not to say it's totally gone, but to be with our community, to be with our village, to be with our peeps has really been taken away from us. And we're just, right now, we're, we're kind of praying and we're hoping to save summer. And uh, so we're all in this together. But, uh, you know, trials in the Bible, they come in many forms. Famines, plagues, diseases. And that's, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't think they all come from God. I don't even know if I necessarily think this one has come from God. But I do know this. God can use these times, these times when it seems like so many of our blessings are being tested. God can use these times to do things in us that we may not just ever be alert or aware or perceptive enough to get in times when we don't have what we're going through right now. There's a really good 
uh, sort of online mentor. I've never met him, but I, I love this guy. I love hearing some of his podcasts. Uh, and, and he wrote a book, actually. I, actually, the book Anchor of My Soul uh, was kind of how I met him. And, and uh, met him, I mean, I never met him personally, but you know what I mean. Uh, his name was Ray Pritchard. He's a preacher from Chicago. And he, he said some things that I thought was really neat. He has this quote. And he said, when hard times come, we always have two choices. We can either be a student or we can be a victim. We can be a student or we can be the victim. Now, a victim says, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? But a student says, what can I learn from this? A victim complains. I'm being treated unfairly. But a student thanks God that he's not being treated as he really deserves. A victim tries to get even with all of those who hurt them. Whereas a student seeks ways to serve others in the midst of this difficulty. A victim believes that the game of life has been stacked against him. But a student believes that God is at work even in the worst of situations. Next week, I'm gonna to try to compile some of the great things we've seen in America, uh, responses from neighbors and friends and churches and family as a result of the virus. And I also wanna show some of the negative things so that we can all learn and take this time to learn and grow together. And know this, that our thoughts and our hearts and our prayers go out to those who are losing people from this virus. I mean, we, we all talk about how low the percentage is, but if you've lost somebody, you could give a rip less what the percentage is. It's a loss. And so our heart goes out to you and our prayers do as well. Well, the important thing to remember is that it's really up to us how we respond. Are you gonna be the victim or are you gonna be the student? Now, we kind of can become either one of those. But I would submit that sometimes in God's grace, grace, you can kind of be a little of both. Sometimes you kind of start out the victim. We start out reacting in a lot of those ways that you just saw on the screen that that victim would. And, and I know I do. Oh, why is life stacked against me? Oh, I just want to get back at somebody. Oh, that can be a lot of our initial reactions. And today we're going to talk about some initial reactions. But even if we start as a victim, we don't have to stay there. There may be some things that you're going through right now where you've started as a victim. And today, I hope you change that and say, you know what? I started as a victim, but I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm going to cross over, and I'm now going to become a student. Learn, grow, and get strengthened through this. The important thing is to not remain the victim, even if that's where you start. Now, this morning, I want to talk about a mistake that was made by Abraham, very popular man in the Bible. We're going to read just a little snippet of his story here. And time and time again, God would test Abraham. And through those times of testing, God was never wanting to hurt Abraham. He was never wanting to make him miserable just for the sake of making him miserable. He wasn't trying to shrink his head or, or humble him just to humble him. He was always trying to show Abraham these things come, and when they come, you can trust me. God would test Abraham not to mess with him, but to teach Abraham the hardest truth, the, hard, the hardest truth that God will ever try to put into these brains of ours. 
And that truth is that God can be trusted. That the Bible can be trusted. That Jesus can be trusted. You're not foolish for putting your faith in him. You're not unreasonable for putting your faith in him. You're not unintellectual for putting your faith in him. In fact, I question the intellectuality of those who don't. That God can be trusted. So let's go ahead here and turn to Genesis chapter 12. And we begin in verse 1. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Abraham was just getting comfortable in the God, land that God had led him to. He, he grew up in Mesopotamia. God called him. He said, you need to get out of there. We're going to get you away from Mesopotamia. And I want you to go into the land that I am going to give you. I am going to give your descendants. I will be with you there. So you follow, follow me. I will be there. And I'm calling you out. Well, Abraham does that. He arrives in the land and he is prospering. And he is he is getting comfortable in this new land. It's got great food. It's, it's pretty. It's beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been to the Holy Land, but it's beautiful. And, I mean, he is really getting comfortable. He's in one of those lives where he's, where he's telling everybody, God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is all the time. God, he's in that phase. He's in such blessing that the God is good is rolling off with such a smile and such laughter and now all of a sudden, to shake that a little, God sends a famine. Now, famine's not the worst thing. They, they come and go. And in the ancient times, they came and went. And, and people, you know, uh, they, they did what they had to do to kind of endure through it. But, but essentially, God turned the faucet off a little bit. You know, the, the, the grapes weren't necessarily there. And some of the best, you know, they, they had to kind of live on some dried meat. And, and eventually, Abraham goes down to Egypt to begin to deal with this famine. Now, here is the, one of the main reasons why we have this particular section in the Bible. And actually, it really has to do a lot with a contemporary of Abraham's named Job. In the book of Job, uh, Job, one, Job chapter 1, verse 9, God and Satan are having a conversation. And, and the devil says to God, God, does Job serve you for nothing? I mean, you've blessed him, you've prospered him, you've done all of these amazing things. I would serve you too. Anybody would serve you so long as the hand of blessing is constant. Take away those blessings. And I bet you Job will turn on you because all Job's really interested is in the goods, not the God. And so, you know... I, the, the, today is not about the book of Job, but essentially Abraham has the same question in front of him this morning. Abraham, do you serve God for nothing? Are you just serving God because he has blessed you in Canaan? And when a little trouble, a little trial comes, do you tuck tail and run and become the victim? Or do you become the student and learn and grow and emerge better and stronger from the test? And so, uh, so in, in, a, in a very real sense, Abraham needed this famine because, let's face it, he had only really had blessing from God up to this point. He hadn't really had a lot of trials. Yeah, it was a trial to walk, 
But after he got in Canaan, I mean, it was sit back on the couch and enjoy life. Abraham needed this famine because he needed to learn he could trust God when the going got tough. I, uh, I was just thinking about this this week as I was kind of get, putting this message together. The last Wednesday before we sort of had to sort of had to shut down and go online, I was speaking to the youth group. And before I was in the youth group, my wife had called me and she said, can you get some toilet paper? I hear they're running out everywhere. And I said, sure. And so the store I was at happened to have a few more left. And I remember I stood there and there were people behind me waiting to get some toilet paper, but they were being courteous and not sort of bumping me to get it. And I remember for a split second, I had this thought, you know what? I'm going to take them all. There's no law against it. Yeah, these people may scream. And yeah, they may even try to take them out of my hand. You try to take the toilet paper out of my hand. You know, I mean, maybe there could be this for a moment. And now nobody ever died from lack of toilet paper, but that all of a sudden you forget that. And for a moment, I remember thinking. I should buy all these up. I needed that moment. I needed that test. I needed that reminder of that instant reaction of ours to scheme, to look out for number one. And in that moment, I wasn't thinking I could trust God for toilet paper. I was thinking I can get all this toilet paper. And for all these people who got here a half second behind me, tough cookies. So I needed that moment. To t- and I didn't do it, by the way. Some of you are wondering. I just got my one and, and we're making that one last. But the point is. Just as Abraham needed this famine, just as I kind of needed that moment, a lot of times we need those tests and those trials to grow in our trust in God. So my first point is this, and I'm a little late on saying it, but one way to be the student rather than to be the victim is to see trials as opportunities, not calamities. Students see trials as opportunities and not calamities. Victims see only calamity, but students see opportunities. Well, point number two is sort of advancing that thought is that God wants to deliver us from our tendency to scheme. You know, students and victims alike, we can kind of initially scheme to want to get out of things. Check this out. Let's keep going in the story in Abraham and we'll see he tried to schemes his way out of the famine. So he goes down uh, beginning in verse 11 here. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and that my life will be spared because of you. Now, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was very beautiful a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. Now he treated Abraham well for her sake. Exactly what he was hoping for is what he got. He treated Abraham well for her sake. And actually, Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys and men servants and maid servants and camels. This is the kind of dowry that the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, gives Abraham for Sarah. 
Now, here's the interesting thing. What Abraham said was true. Sarah was his sister. He was his half-sister. Sarah was the daughter of his father, but not his mother. What Abraham left out was that she was also his wife. Now, he's scheming to save his life because he's afraid they're going to kill him. Maybe you can un we can understand that. I mean, the fact is there's no way to sugarcoat this. The man gives up his wife because he's afraid he's going to get killed, and he sees no other alternative. But at no point during the story does Abraham check with God. He never saw what God had done. I wonder if Abraham would have come down, looked the king of Egypt dead in the eyes, and said something like this. Pharaoh, this is my wife, Sarah. She's also my half-sister. And we are protected by God. A God you may not know of yet, but it's the God of the universe, the creator God, the Elohim, the almighty God, the God of the universe. We are called and protected by him. And he's promised us a son, her and I. Now, if you mess with her, you're going to have to deal with him. So would you let us wait out the famine here in peace? Had Abram said that, boy, you might, Pharaoh may have resisted and, you, and Abraham may have seen some amazing power of God right there because that is all true. God said, the two of you are going to have a son. If Abraham gives his wife to Pharaoh, that's going to screw up the whole plan. So he knew God was on his side. God had this plan. But again, our instant reaction is, is to scheme. And why didn't he say that? Because God, Abraham had never learned to trust God. He probably didn't even know he could trust God in that way. Sure, God can provide babies, but can God really punch a hole into this world and affect things and save me from the hand of Pharaoh who wants to kill me for my wife? You know, it's interesting, Genesis 12, in the first half of Genesis 12, almost everything Abraham does is following God. God does this, Abraham does it. It's all Abraham and God working in concert together. But the second half of Genesis 12, it's all Abraham. Abraham decided he was going to go down to Egypt. He didn't have to go down to Egypt. He probably could have waited out that famine right there in that promised land that God sent him, and God was going to grow up grapes and all that stuff all around him. But he thought, you know what? Uh, we're good for a walk anyway. I heard Egypt's kind of pretty. We're going to walk down there. I don't know. Who knows whatever happened, but his scheme begins with him. It's Abraham who concocts the plan to give his wife away. It's Abraham who receives all of the money he gets for giving his wife away, something he knows he wasn't supposed to. At the, all of this time, it's Abraham, 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 working in his wisdom, doing what he wants to do, doing what he thinks is best. And in some ways you could say, maybe he was doing the right thing, but Genesis, I'm sorry, Galatians 6, 7 has an interesting verse. It says this, a man reaps what he sows. You can't sow oranges and expect to get avocados. No matter which way you slice it, what Abraham was doing was wrong. It was a mistake. It's a mistake that was going to plague him. And by the way, it wouldn't be a mistake he would learn from completely from this incident. 
There would be another king that Abraham would make a mistake with. There's going to be Hagar that Abraham's going to make a mistake with. So God uses the long haul of life to teach us things. But even though the wheels of God's justice grind slowly, don't forget, tomorrow eventually comes. And so you can't sow into a scheme that leave God's that you can't sow into a scheme that leaves God out and then expect to harvest God's blessing. And let's face it, we can scheme a lot of things. We can have hidden bank accounts, hidden money, hidden debts, hidden websites, half-truths about our character, different facades that we put on with different people. It's all a way to deal with this central problem of can we trust God with it all? And I wonder what amazing experiences in life have we missed? What amazing events never occurred when God could have punched a hole into this world and rocked our socks off. But because we concocted a scheme out of lack of trust, it never happened because we never took that step of faith. Point number three, and this is my main point of the morning. What God is teaching us, what God is showing us, what God is showing us Abraham, Abraham is this. Point number three. Go from, what am I going to do now, to God, how are you going to do it this time? Let's keep going in verses 17 through 20. Let's finish out the story here. But the, Lord inflicted serious, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and he said, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. It says go, but I hear get out of here in my mind. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. In other words, don't touch him, let him leave, and don't touch the women. Just get them out of here. And so Abram left with his wife and everything he had. We have the free will to concoct our schemes, but God has the free will to mess with them. And we don't always like that. We don't always like when God messes with our schemes, but remember, he messes with our schemes to rescue us from them. And so God wanted to teach Abraham and where do you really hear the voice of God in this story? It's through the question of Pharaoh. It's almost, in my mind, I almost see God speaking through Pharaoh when Pharaoh looks at Abraham and he asks twice and he says, why? Why did you lie to me? It's almost like God is saying to Abraham, why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you believe in me? And Abraham didn't, have an answer. There was no answer. I mean, the answer was, yeah, I, I concocted a scheme. I lied. I, I, I was in the interest of self-preservation, not thinking about what God could do, but only what I could do. This is, this is what I did. And here's the point. Abraham went down to Egypt, the victim of a famine. But Abraham emerged from Egypt, a student of the living God. What did he learn? He learned that 
all of Satan's apples have worms. No matter how hard we try to find something outside of God and we think it's going to work and bring us happiness and it's going to be the answer and it's the scheme that's going to that's going to do it that's going to do what we need to do all of Satan's apples have worms and so instead of complaining at every trial instead of scheming and instead of saying God why me and why don't you bless me and why aren't you blessing my scheme the better thing that we can say is Lord what are you trying to teach me through this? Did Abraham learn it? Well, like all students, it took time. Like I said before, there was another king and there was Hagar. And, but the Bible does tell us eventually Abraham did learn it. Where? I believe it's in Genesis 22. It's now years later, probably 20, probably 20 years later. The son that God promised Abraham has been given. Abraham and Sarah, they have the son. They name him Isaac. And then God does an interesting thing when Isaac was still a boy. He says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him to me. Now, here's the, here's, here's the head scratcher. God doesn't believe in child sacrifice. But but the point is actually not to get shocked at that because God was never going to have Isaac sacrifice. God always had a plan to provide the proper sacrifice in the ram uh, that was caught in the bush that Abraham would eventually sacrifice. But what was the whole point of the test? The point was to see if Abraham had learned from the famine, from Hagar, from the, from the next king. If he had learned through life that God can be trusted. So Isaac looks at Abraham and says, I see the wood, I see the fire, but I don't see the animal for sacrifice. Now, it would have been very easy for Abraham to say, well, Isaac, God said you're the sacrifice this morning. But Abraham didn't say that. He said something so profound. He looked at his son and he said, Isaac, God will provide the sacrifice. I don't know how, I don't know when, and I may have to strap you on this altar and you may get completely freaked out. And, I, and, and who knows what's going to happen, but I know this. God can be trusted and he will provide the sacrifice. And of course, that connects to Jesus. Jesus was the sacrifice that God provided so that we could be free from our sins. We could be free from the fear of death that we could have it demonstrated in our land and in our time, that God can be trusted, just as Abraham learned in the famine in Egypt. One time early on in my ministry, you ever have a bad year? <laughs> I had a bad year in ministry. It was a bad year. It was mistake after mistake after mistake. And I remember just thinking to myself, not only am I gonna get fired, not only am I gonna never not be a pastor anymore, it wasn't like moral mistakes. I don't want to make it that way. It was just stupid mistakes, disorganization, uh, you know, lack of focus. I, things were, you know, I, I wasn't be, turning in my paperwork right. And I remember just thinking, man, this church is not going to put up with me. You know, I, they're, I'm, I'm, that's, they're, they're going to be done with me. And, and I, was, I was beginning to do what Abraham did. I was beginning to scheme. All right, well, I'm going to quit the church before they fire me. No, I'm going to, da, 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 I'm going to find another. Now, I began to scheme, and the schemes were weighing me down. I finally asked a friend to come and pray with me. And as we sat down to pray, I told him everything that was going on. I told him, here's the latest thing that, that dumb Tom Nackey has done. 
And he said, oh, let's pray. And he just smiled. And he, he bowed his head and he started like this. Oh, God, how are you going to do it this time? Oh, God, how are you going to get Tom Nackey out of this one? And you know what? It doesn't always happen instantly. Sometimes it happens over the course of time. Sometimes, like Abraham, it may take 20 years. But God's got a plan. God's got a plan to rescue us from our schemes. God's got a plan to teach us that we don't have to be victims, that we can be students. We can see every trial as an opportunity. We can give up our schemes, and we can learn to say, God, how are you going to do it this time? How are you going to do it this time? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with this coronavirus, we say just that. How are you going to do it this time? All of our lives are very awkward at the moment. <laughs> but, God, we trust in you. And, Lord, for those of us who may not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that we pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior, and I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I will put my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone I will not be shaken I will put my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken and holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me.